Welcome to Value-Based Care Insights brought to you by Lumina Health Partners, a national healthcare consulting and leadership development firm focused on improving the strategic, financial, and operational performance of provider organizations and its leaders. On this program, we explore trends and share valuable insights on how health systems and medical groups can navigate this increasingly complex healthcare environment and shift then to transform the delivery of care. Value-Based Care Insights is hosted by Daniel Moreno, Managing Partner of Lumina Health Partners. With over three decades of experience, Daniel specializes in helping organizations shape their strategic initiatives in areas of population health, clinical integration, physician alignment, information technology, and board retreats. For additional insights, visit our website, luminahp.com, and sign up for our newsletter. Dan, over to you. Welcome to Value-Based Care Insights. I'm your host, Daniel Marino. As we've talked about in previous episodes, physicians are still struggling with a lot of the challenges with clinical burnout. For instance, they are challenged with meeting the patient needs. They're challenged with the uh, pressures of, of access. They're challenged with all of the work activities, staffing certainly has come into play. And as a result of that, we've seen many physicians choose to either retire or move into different roles or what have you. And it's placed a lot of pressure on hospitals and particularly hospitals who have clinical programs such as cardiovascular services or neuroscience services um, to recruit physicians, to keep physicians. And there's been a big theme that we talked about in the program here around physician well-being. Create a situation for physicians that help them get back to enjoying medicine, help them get back to, you know, feeling good about why they got into medicine to begin with. So as hospitals put in place these new physician wellness programs or sort of address the the clinical needs of, of either growth of their programs or maybe some of the turnover that they have, they often have looked to locum tenens companies to provide that level of support. And although locum tenens could be an expensive alternative, it's a really good alternative in order to support a lot of the access challenges that they may have, support some of the growth, and, and certainly provide a nice, a nice interim approach as they begin to recruit. And in some markets, it's hard to recruit, right? So locum tenens is, is really the best, the best option. This has been a topic that I've been interested in for quite some time, certainly as it relates to providing value for patients within the community. I'm really pleased today to have as my guest, Rich Heim. Rich is the president and CEO of Locums Pro. Locums Pro provides locum tenant services and contracts to many hospitals around the country. Rich, welcome to the program. Good morning, Daniel. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited to uh, sort of present and, and, and uh, help you with that discussion you just had. So Rich, what are you seeing in, in terms of some challenges 
with regards to say vacancies in hospitals, um, filling certain clinical roles, are, are you seeing a lot of those 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 challenges increasing? Um, is it staying the same? Is it harder to kind of fill those roles? What are you seeing right now? Yeah, as somebody who's been in the healthcare market for a very long time in my career and mostly in hospitals, um, the the level of what you deemed burnout is continuing to increase. Uh, some specialties more prevalent than others, but some of the most recent information out there is, you know, 53% of physicians today are experiencing some level of burnout, which, you know, above 50%, it's pretty significant. And uh, in, in some of the specialties, uh, emergency medicine, 65%, uh, pediatrics and internal medicine, big numbers, 60%. So wow. yeah. ultimately what you're seeing is sort of that for emergency room specifically, I would say post COVID burnout. Uh, again, nobody worked harder than emergency room physicians as people were coming in. And now what you're seeing is the burnout in um, many of the other areas because of the level of sickness that's out there and the difference in sickness. So um, you, you, you see anesthesia and places where in the procedural areas, um, most of the patients weren't being taken care of. Now there's a big backlog of patients that need to be taken care of. Yeah, and, and we're still playing. I, I think we're still playing catch up from from COVID. You know, from from the shutdown of a lot of the elective cases. Although I think some of that has improved, and 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 we've caught ourselves up. But one thing that you mentioned, which I think is interesting, those are amazing numbers, right? When you talk about sixty percent of the physicians really, you know, frustrated and, and having those, those feelings of burnout, I can't help but think that that's contributing to the early retirement. And then you couple that with the fact that there's not enough physicians coming out of residency in some of these specialties. I mean, that in and of itself just creates such a shortage problems in the healthcare space hospitals clearly must be, uh, hospital, hospital leaders must be under a tremendous amount of pressure to fill those areas. Absolutely. And so, you know, in most cases, they're moving much more to an employment model, which allows them to, you know, bring them in at a reasonable salary, uh, control their work-life balance. Uh, you know, private practice for most physicians is hard. You know, you have staff, you have uh, just the day-to-day -day trying to make a living, and it is becoming more, more and more difficult to provide access. So yeah. physicians are looking for that employment model, and that's where hospitals are trying to create that work-life balance where, they're, where it's possible, establish, you know, better call coverage so that physicians aren't on every night for call. Uh, they're also you know, having physicians split and some become inpatient and some become outpatient. Hospitalists right. are a prime example. Um, yeah, they're looking at different alternative models. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I think private practice, unfortunately, has really become a dinosaur. Um, there's only a few markets that still have private practice medical groups. Um, are, are you seeing, though, locum tenens as a, as a good alternative? for physicians who maybe don't clearly don't want to be in private practice and maybe don't necessarily want to be employed by a hospital, but, but still want to practice. 
Is, has this been a growth? Do you see this as a good alternative or, or are you having some of the same challenges as many of the hospitals have as well? Yeah, I think engaging physicians in locum tenants. So historically it's been sort of, uh, you know, let's do it on the weekends, let's do it on our spare time and make some additional money. Um, I think what we're seeing, and I just read an article that talked about a physician who really took this on as a career. And we have a number of them in our practice today. Physicians who work two weeks a, a month, uh, who then have work-life balance, uh, they travel to the location, but ultimately they're finding that this is a career rather than just a weekend um, you know, trip to somewhere. So I think ultimately the engagement in this can be a career where you control your own destiny. You can say, I want to work the first and third week of the month. I, you know, I have other things that go on at home that I need to be home for. So, so creating that sense of you're in control of your destiny, you can still make good money as a locum tenants. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you can, um, for, for the most part, I mean, in, in all of the situations for us, we cover your malpractice, your travel expenses, uh, right. you know, all right. of those things are part of becoming a locum tenant. So saves expenses and basically puts you more in control of your, yeah. your life. Yeah. Well, I would think just how you're describing it, it, it saves some of the frustrations that physicians would have, right? So you're covering all of that, which again, you know, getting back to what we had talked about, and if we're really thinking about physician wellness and well-being, I mean, that reduces some of the frustration and, and the burnout factor. Um, our, our, I know in working with many of the hospitals, we've done a lot of work on improving, say, surgical services, perioperative services, and so forth. Recruiting anesthesiologists has been a big issue as an example. Are you, are you seeing the same thing from a locum's perspective or have you been able to attract specialists like anesthesiologists and some of the other hard to recruit specialists within, within your company? You know, as those specialties see frustration in their workload, whether they're working for a private practice or in a national company, they're beginning to see just as much burnout. And so we are actually in, in some cases benefiting from that because um, anesthesiologists still wanna work. They still do great work and they're all um, you know, great clinicians. So from our perspective, they're coming on to basically uh, still continue to provide care, yet they're able to do um, their 40 hours a week they're able to uh, work in these hospitals for a week at a time uh, or whatever their situation is. And so it gives them that control that in private practice and in hospital medicine today, they're, they're really struggling. Um, they're working 60, 80 hours a week and, yeah. and, and no time outside other than to sit and, and wonder what they're going to do because <laughs> it's... Yeah you know, they're tired. Yeah. Yeah. You could see that too. Yeah. That's one of the biggest, the biggest challenges that we see when we work with hospitals and sort of improving some of the, like the surgical services, for instance, I mean, there's, they're tired, right. They're putting in, they're putting in a lot of hours. Um, so when you're, when you're, when you're bringing in physicians sort of like, um, you know, surgeons or, you know, or even ER physicians, 
How do you create that continuity between the physician and the hospital? Do you typically have the same physicians there for, say, an extended period of time, six, nine, 12 months? Or is it more that you would rotate, you know, a couple of physicians through over a six or eight month period? How do you create that continuity with the medical staff in the hospital? Yeah, I think it depends on, you know, again, it's like a big puzzle matching the skills that the physician has and wants to perform along with what the hospital needs. I will say we have um, two gastroenterologists who are spending time at, at a particular hospital almost back to back. So we do try to provide that continuity uh, in order to make sure that uh, the handoff is good. Uh, the one physician came as a, a reference from the first physician. Hmm. Um, so ultimately referrals become a big source yeah. of uh, recruitment for us. Yeah. Word of mouth. Are, I can see that. Sure. Yep. If physicians are pleased with, with what they're doing and where they're doing it, they're able to talk to their friends and say, listen, this might be good for you. Why don't you test it and see if it's, it's what you're looking for. If you're just tuning in, I'm Daniel Marino. You're listening to Value-Based Care Insights. I'm here today talking to Rich Heim. He is president and CEO of Locums Pro. We're spending a little bit of time today talking about the whole Locums environment and Rich providing a lot of good insights in terms of some of the things that are driving physicians. Rich, one of the things that you know I, I had heard recently is that um, you know there's a growing number of of women in the the workforce, women physicians, um, and you know, again, with women in in the workforce, it it does lend a little bit more. I don't want to say a challenge, but things that have to be considered around work life balance and family obligations, and so forth. I'm sure the the same holds true with men. Um, but but does that? Have you may have been have you had to make additional adjustments to that, or are those factors that you consider as you're beginning to either recruit female physicians into your practice or even place female physicians at some hospitals? Yeah, I think ultimately um, we are garnering more female physicians, uh, and I do think male physicians, and that's largely because you know in today's dynamics of family. Uh, the the guy has just as much obligation to stay home with the children yeah, or or do true. whatever. So ultimately, uh, you know, that's part of one of the articles that I read was, you know, it allows me to be home um, and my wife to go to work. And so um, I I can I can uh, set my own schedule and say here's when I want to work. So I, I do think it it adds an additional complexity. Um, for hospitals, it adds an additional complexity as well, because, um, you know, many of the uh, locum tenens positions I'm seeing right now are to cover maternity leaves. So interestingly enough, you know, as women go out on a maternity leave, uh, that general surgeon needs to be backfilled. And if there's nobody internally, that's where it comes, it becomes a potential locums tenen, locum tenens um, opportunity for us. So I'm continuing to see increases in, in, in that on our side. And that's, and that's just nationally. I mean, we see yeah, it in all yeah. specialties. Um, I would say that the physician, female physicians, there are a number of them are looking for tele opportunities. So hmm. we have become more um, 
electronic. And Have so you. where so you're incorporating virtual health into the locum tenens process? Many of the healthcare organizations have, have done that. So that, that makes it a great opportunity for physicians who don't want to be on site to provide either site care. Uh, psych is a big one that has gone to telephonic. There's now um, opportunities for physicians to do um, uh, primary care. Yeah, primary um, so, care, I would think. So yeah. Ultimately, those will continue to be uh, great opportunities for locums. Uh, again, looking at their credentials and what states they're in, it, it still becomes a bit of a challenge, but ultimately providing that uh, telephonic um, online opportunity is also becoming great for uh, the, the specialties involved. So yeah. So do you, within your organization, are you, do you have a full breadth of, of, of uh, medical specialties or has there been particular specialties that it's just been really difficult to recruit for? Yeah, right now I'm really, um, some part of our focus is on hospitalists. Hospitalists has become a very uh, big specialty for many healthcare organizations. Oh yeah, today. right. Well, many of them moved to the hospital and by uh, the hospitalist programs, right? So many primary right. care physicians are not seeing their patients in the hospital. They're turning over to the hospital. So I could see that. Correct. And physicians like it because it's, you know, 12 hours in the morning yeah. or 12 hours at night. And uh, you know, your schedule, um, you're focused on inpatient length of stay, which is a huge issue for hospitals. So uh, ultimately, uh, the the private attending rounding on their physicians is becoming fewer and farther between. And so ultimately, hospitalists is a big recruitment tool. A lot of places are looking for those nocturnists and, and hospitalists. So I'm spending some time in that particular area. Many of the surgical subspecialties are, are really, there's a lot of um, physicians out there in the locum tenens world today. So I'd say it's uh, another big one that we're struggling with is OB. Yeah. OB is, OB is one of those where, you know, um, depending on the state, uh, physicians do or don't want to be in that state today. Do you think uh, it's because of the malpractice issues related to? The... I'd say it's malpractice and the ongoing political struggles related to, you know, yeah what's going on in our nation today. So from that perspective, I think they, you know, there are certain states that, you know, they're just not going to work in. And um, so, and I also think that that specialty is, um, it, they're just not looking at locums right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting how the political environment would really um, kind of affect some of the, the, some of the trending of recruitment. That's really, that's really interesting um, how that works, but yeah, I mean, I I would imagine you know it, it would create some real challenges there. But I think getting back to the hospitals, you brought up a really good point. One of the things that we've worked with with hospitals is improving their length of stay and a lot of the value based outcomes, you know, readmissions and and so forth, of which hospitals provide a lot of influence. Boy, if you know if you have a seasoned hospitalist within your practice and you bring them to a hospital that maybe doesn't do such a good job with their length of stay or their readmissions and they can help them put in maybe a program or help them really impact a lot of those readmission outcomes. That's a huge value add that I think your organization could provide 
Um, that, that's something in my mind, as you were talking about that really resonate. Sure, absolutely. I mean, uh, we have great docs on our side and, and building in, in many of the specialties today. And, yeah. you know, we always have an opportunity for a, uh, a company to actually employ them. I mean, ultimately, yeah. if, if it's right for the physician and it's right for the hospital, um, we absolutely would move them into something other than locum tenens. Uh, but ultimately, it's it's still going to be the physician's decision and the hospital's decision together. Sure. So, um, but they almost come in as like subject matter experts in a couple of those areas, which I think, um, you know, as organizations, hospitals are, are continuing to think about how they position themselves around quality or some of the value-based purchasing outcomes. I think that could be a really big value add. Um, talk a little bit, Rich about the maybe the challenges that you see in recruiting or placing physicians in the rural areas versus the metropolitan areas um and and you know one of the one of the uh the questions that i had was you know we do a lot of work in the rural hospitals and one of my clients who i've worked with for a long time um has a, built out a strong orthopedic service line and they're a rural hospital and they've gone to great lengths to recruit physicians to the point where these orthopedic physicians would even travel home every weekend because they're not from that rural community. And they have used locum tenens and they've, they've actually done pretty well, but I can't help but think that it's, you know, it's clearly a recruiting challenge. What do you see as a big difference between the rural communities versus metropolitan? Yeah, I think ultimately it comes back to, you know, the physicians seeing this as a career path for them. Uh, again, travel becomes an issue in some of these communities. Um, it, you don't want to spend, you know, a day and a half to get to the location that you're going to. Um, if people see locums as just a, a weekend fling, it's going to be wanting to go to, you know, a, a warm climate in the right. winter and, and a and a skiing place in the in the summer. So, uh, you know, it's all based upon you know what's out there. But ultimately, as people see more controlling their lifestyle, um, I think most physicians go into healthcare and their role to give back to their community, to give back to their uh, to their practice, to give back to their uh, patients. So I, I think that everybody has that down deep in them to, to give back to a rural community, which would be nice to see. There's yeah, a right. Yeah, I can see that. Rich, this has been great. And, uh, and I'll tell you, this is an area that I've, I've thought long and hard about, certainly as we've helped hospitals pull together different types of programs. Um, you know, if, if, if you're a, you know, maybe if you're a hospital leader, you know, uh, one of the listeners um, who runs a hospital or even a physician that is interested in getting into locums, any advice that you might give them or, or thoughts that might help them think about looking into locums as a, as a strong alternative? Yeah, I mean, the access to locums companies, large locum companies is is fairly easy these days. Uh, again, uh, good references out on the uh, on the web for finding it. Uh, I, I think that ultimately, or 
potentially historically physicians got into this for a lot of different reasons. I do believe people are in it today because of wanting to give back to their communities. So uh, ultimately they're great physicians with uh, solid malpractice backgrounds. So uh, we have just, uh, and many organizations have great uh, stability in, in mm -hmm. a lot of their physicians providing coverage. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, Rich, I, I can't thank you enough for joining the program. This was um, a good discussion. As I mentioned, I, I really feel like having a strong locums partner is just um, a great way for a hospital to continue filling the needs and, and support within the you know patients within their community. Um, if any of our listeners want to get in touch with you or have further questions, um, Anything you would feel comfortable sharing with them in, in terms of how they need it, how they can potentially connect? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, we're all over social media where we have a, our website is uh, locumspro.org. Um, you can also reach us uh, at locumspro on LinkedIn. Uh, myself, you can email me if you'd like at richardheim at locumspro.org. Uh, wow, that's also, great. Well, thanks again, Rich. I really appreciate it. And you're doing, you're doing great work, especially as you're placing uh, a lot of physicians and around some, some rural communities and, and fulfilling some of these challenging programs and specialties. So I commend you on a lot of the work you and your colleagues are doing. Well, thanks for bringing this forward, Daniel. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today. I'm Daniel Marino. Until the next insight, happy to bring you 30 minutes of value to your day. Take care. Are you at a crossroad with value-based care? Do you need to chart a future strategy or improve your organization's performance? Visit us at LuminaHP.com to learn more about our professional advisory services and leadership development programs. Also, you can sign up for our newsletter on our website and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. To connect with Daniel Marino or for more information about the show, visit our website or healthcarenowradio.com. Join this conversation using our hashtag BBC Insights. We are Lumina Health Partners. Thank you for joining us today. Until the next value-based care insight, stay well.